I'd have to say, a sphincter says what? What? A sphincter says what? What? Exactly. school games and the modern games inspired by them. Welcome one and all to episode 30 of the Save for Half podcast, where I am DM Mike, one of your hosts. The others are DM Liz, DM Corbett, and DM Jim. This episode, we're discussing the infamous game Alma Mater, a role-playing game about high school, which we all (laughs) look forward to. And there was much rejoicing. I'll I'll be honest, I never heard of this game until the late 90s, when I was well out of high school. But if I had heard about it, I would have been a little baffled, since... I was in high school, and the whole idea of RPGs was to do something that you weren't doing. So the idea of actually playing in high school would seem like... I I think I would have looked at it like papers and paychecks from the DM's Guide, you know? So, Mike, your your first impression of this game is it has a fundamentally flawed premise. (laughs) (laughs) No, just that as a high school student, I wouldn't have seen the appeal. Well, and now you're a professor, so you're the bad guy in the game. So Probably, yeah. <laughs> you're the guy that gets the switchblade straight to the neck, like in that one piece of art. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Forgive yeah, me. But I started it, so. Forewarning, Jim may have things to say later. Just maybe. <laughs> All right, well, uh, unless we have any announcements or things we have desperately need to get off our chests, We shall go into the pod break and then start with Mike and the Mechanics. Into a world without nearly enough quality gamer podcasts they came. The Grognard Files, a podcast about role-playing games from back in the day. You know they're experts because they speak with British accents. Find them at armchairadventureblog.com, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are served. He, he, he was a Coke. She was a Pepsi. Together, they were a Coke and a Pepsi. It's the story of a much older, older Pepsi and a much younger Coke. She offered him a thrill. He went along for the ride until one day... Jealousy took over. Pepsi found out her friends liked the new Coke for his better taste. And that's when they fell out. Well, uh, that's when Pepsi fell out. This is Max Edrum. Catch the wave. Coke. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Frozen Power. Yes, with Frozen Power, you don't need warm water to clean your laundry. You don't even need cold water. Just mix your laundry load with half a cup of Frozen Power's frozen cleaning crystals, stuff it all into your freezer, and the next morning your clothes will be clean and crisp. Really crisp. And you can throw away your clunky old dryer because with Frozen Power, you never dry, you thaw. It's time for Mike and the Mechanics. Sorry, sorry, sorry. that's Mike and the mechanics of the game. My bad. Mike and the mechanics. This game has a deceptively simple 
character generation system in that everything is based on D10s. You have seven attributes, strength, coordination, appearance, intelligence, learning drive, courage, and willpower. You roll a D10 for each attribute, put them wherever you want them. Then you have the seven classes you choose, which is average, which is your average student, brain, who is a nerd, cheerleader, criminal, jock, loser, and tough. Oh, I thought for a minute you made a new one, cheerleader, criminal. That sounded pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing in here about multiclassing, more's the pity. Well, there should be. There should be. I have things to say about jock and cheerleader, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, most classes have minimums and maximums, which is an interesting change, except average. And everybody gets three skills, choose your fourth, unless you're an average student, then you choose all four. That's as far as I'm going to get in, so Jim doesn't yell at me for taking his top fives. Oh. So! <laughs> I love you just the way the dice made you, Mike. <laughs> 3d6 in order? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Combat is basically a skill check or an attribute check. Hit points. Yes, there are hit points in this game. It's a combination of strength and willpower. You hit with coordination. Again, rolling d10s. High is good. Now, to our top fives. The Save for Half Top Five. In five, four, three, two. Top fives. But first impressions, we'll start with Jim. Oh, no, save me for last, please. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll start with Corbett. I went into this thinking, oh, I've played teenage games before, and games very similar to it, where you're playing a teenager's getting into trouble, or or, uh, Scooby-Doo ripoffs, or uh, Josie and the Pussycats ripoffs. Much like many of those games that I've run, I have been shocked by what was actually inside. (laughs) A good example is I I once ran, so you want to be a rock and roll star, which is basically you be a rock and roll star. And if you don't understand the premise of that, you're confused. Find another game. (laughs) But my, my idea going into that was, oh, I love the monkeys. The monkeys is fun. And everybody else had the idea of, I like kiss. (laughs) Kiss monkeys. <laughs> Basically, I put forward this the first plot from the first episode of the monkeys, which is there's a rich guy who doesn't want his daughter to have this grungy band play at their country club. The monkeys do a bunch of hijinks and they get to do the monkey thing. And what the group did was vandalize the guy's house and torch his car. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't get the concert. But yeah, much like this game, I went in thinking, monkeys, and it is not that. It's not that. You're like, I missed the episode where the monkeys vomited blood and set things like (laughs) that. Not necessarily in that order. Full disclosure, we're all working from a PDF of the rules because it is not on DriveThruRPG. It is 50 pages, and Noble Knight has a shrink wrap copy for like $300. So we're not doing that for the show. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah it's it's uh, interesting liz that, that, was, that was my first impression <laughs> um, uh, short sweet to the point uh this was a difficult book for me to get through despite the fact that it's not that big i i really struggled with this one i guess the best way to distill it down would be for me to say There is a casual cruelty pervasive throughout the game examples and the rules that I found kind of repellent to read through. I wonder if this was the actual writer's experience in high school, because that would be one scary school to be in. I sure hope not. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's something. Anything else, Liz? No, that's really all I have to say. That's my first impression. Okay, my first impression... Just to be clear, this was made in 1982. It predates shows like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, any of the John Hughes films, 
So it's more a product, I think, of the 70s, which actually plays into this because after reading it, I got I felt like, was this the first exploitation RPG? Because it reads like it was written like in 1977. You guys can correct me, being the eyeball crew here, but most of the art was um, suggestive to one degree or another. In fact, it got banned at Gen Con 82 because of its art. By Earl Lotus, at least some of it. Well, you're not wrong, Mike. I mean, because I'm, I'm the age of the characters in that 70s show. I graduated in 78, so there's a lot of that in this, in 82, which is only four years later. So you've got to imagine a 20-something author, uh, I don't know the author's ages, would, would be about right for that. I do want to defend the art right here and say that the art is not bad, but it has bad subjects in, in an intense way. It is technically proficient, is what you're saying. Yes, it's like, well, it's, it's okay. We'll, we'll get Later we'll get to how wrong you are. <laughs> oh, man. Ah... <laughs> uh... But yeah, my, my impression is was that this is almost made to sell books more than actually a real game system. It's got, quote-unquote, teen art, a lot of topless stuff. This is not safe for work. Some of the scenarios in it are almost Grand Theft Auto-level disturbing in a high school. And my first thought is, man, high schools in Canada were a lot different than the ones I went to. <laughs> Because, wow. But, yeah, I got the impression this game can't decide what it really wants to be. Does it want to be meatballs? Does it want to be the Warriors? You know, I'm not sure. But that's mine. And we've saved the best for last. First impressions. Jim? I don't know if it'll be the best. This game got under my skin right away. One of my pet peeves in life is how people will invariably tell you what they're about to say by saying the opposite. Not to hurt your feelings, but <laughs> that just, and then they proceed to immediately hurt your feelings. Right in the first page introduction to this game, they say some people may find this game sexist in parts, especially the character class description. No discrimination is intended. You know, that sets the mood for some of what Liz talked about, the just senseless undercurrent of cruelty and sharp edges. So an objectification. Yeah. So while I am not one to hate on a product in this game. <laughs> Except time shift. No, 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 no. Time shift. I can object <laughs> on much higher ground. This just Free this whole game. Okay, short and sweet. the seventy-eight Camaro it came in on. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we've got our first impressions, let's start with number five and back to Corbett. Uh, there's a lot of like negatives for appearance for different things when you're making your character. And one of the things that kind of pers- I took personal offense to was tall people are at negative one appearance. <laughs> I am 6'7". Jim, convey my feelings. <laughs> Although I'm 5'8", today I was 5'1 in high school and about 115 pounds, so I'm sure there's there's nothing but trouble for me at the other end, too. I just, I was like, what? When, when has everybody said, you know what I'm looking for? A guy short, dark, and handsome. <laughs> <sighs> but that's fine. So that was it. Number five, tall people. Okay. Liz? Moving on what Jim was talking about. Yeah, I noticed that too with the whole no discrimination is intended thing. It's like I mean, the whole book is just full of all kinds of stereotypes. The cheerleader class is only for girls. The jock class is only for guys. The NPC teachers who are in the humanities are druggies or otherwise just kind of reprehensible people. Homosexuals have lisps and or high-pitched voices. And homosexuality is listed as a problem. Yes, but it's all okay because they said in the introduction that no discrimination was intended. It's like, oh, thank goodness. I feel much better about all of this now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And Liz, you and I can probably agree, this was beyond, I mean, we were both alive in 1982. This was beyond the pale even then. This is not like, it's of its time. To be fair, I'm a little younger than you are, so I was only in middle school when this happened. But, you know, it's like, this doesn't even track with what I remember people just coming out and saying and thinking about things. 
mean, I remember reading issues of the X-Men that were a lot more friendly to homosexuals, people of color, all, you know, that they were, that the X-Men comics were way more inclusive than this game is. Okay. Hee was way more inclusive than this game is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's beside the point. Okay. Is that it? That, that's it. Okay. My five. Losers. Yep. Oh my God. What? You don't want to play that class? I already did for four years once. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I mean, the loser is, for one thing, you can't have anything above four in anything. Which is below average. And considering you put your, your rolls wherever you want, how bad do you have to roll to have four or less in everything? And your skills, your automatic skills were like pity social stuff yeah <laughs> crudeness you know i mean you can belch and fart and you know your possessions are like your clothes are stinky and moldy yeah what i mean oh god I, I, the thing is you know, all i could think of is nerds or brains in this are really portrayed tolerably so i guess they felt like nerds needed somebody to beat up on I don't understand. Just it's the way it's written is so mean spirited because you can you could play a character like that and I'm I, all I can come up with at the moment is Jerry in Rick and Morty. Now there's a loser character class being depicted in a TV show, but he's not irredeemable loser. He's still got qualities and things about him that people like and appreciate him for. Thanks for bringing that up, because Liz pointed out last night that not only are you stuck as a loser, you can never stop being a loser. Yeah. For the entire game. It doesn't matter what happens to your character within gameplay, you will never get out of that paradigm. So what is the point of playing it? Because there's no possibility of being able to, you know, grow and improve as a character. Well, I would presume it, that this is kind of the template. Well, not the template, because I'm sure John Hughes had some standards, but <laughs> this is kind of the template idea for Ali Sheedy's character from uh, The Breakfast Club. You know, she's weird. She's an outsider. Essentially, she's an emo character, not really a loser, but she's that she's far a end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. she called herself. But yeah. she's artistic. She's pretty. Yeah, ah. she's not. She's not irredeemable. And so many of these classes get points for beating up losers. And you can kill a loser and not lose points. Because that's a penalty for doing some things in this game, is losing skill points. Good lord, did the author of this game get beat up by a parade of losers? By the way, that's the only good thing, is he referred to, apparently it's a squad of teenagers, a team of jocks, and a parade of losers. He just has a major fury against the whole idea of the loser. Okay, that's mine. Jim? Yeah, tell, tell us all a little bit more about the author than maybe the author thinks. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, my number five is just this entire game has got a fatally flawed premise to begin with. We touched on it earlier. The whole point of role-playing games and what makes them enjoyable is because you get to play them to escape from everyday reality for a few hours, not relive it in explicit conflict-driven detail. Especially in the target audience area, which what's the biggest slice of RPG market share? People in high school and college, right? So so yeah, let's 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 escape from our everyday existence by playing even worse characters in an even worse version of our real lives. What? Yeah, which again makes me wonder, was this a game a real game to be played or just an excuse to put out softcore pictures? I don't know. I don't know these guys and I looked them up and they've never written anything else, but I mean it looks like they were working on some of their own issues just writing this game. Yeah. And I believe the company, Oracle Games, that put this out didn't put out any other product. If someone knows if they did or not, please run into the show. RPG.net says no, but I, it's possible. Well, it could be that they, they made an extreme version of what they considered their school to be. So that it was an escape, but still. Maybe they enjoyed playing, being jocks and cheerleaders so they can, I don't know, escape that way. I I'm honestly don't know. Armchair diagnoses are tempting, but I'll, I'll restrain myself. <laughs> okay. But that's my number five. The whole the whole premise is fatally flawed from the get-go. Gotcha. Corbett? 
Four. Okay. Let me give you some rules breakdown. Honestly, I kind of got a laugh out of it. So you, you might enjoy this part or you may just hate it more. That's fine. Vehicles. There's rules for vehicles in the background. In the back of the book, it's like a, a page or so. <laughs> because I was curious and because there's a table where a vehicle can explode, I wrote down and figured out that if a bicycle is traveling at 35 miles an hour, which is the speed that it can travel at, according to the rules, it would do 12 points of damage when you hit a tree, which would slightly damage the tree, but would kill the per, the person riding it, obviously, because that would do 30 points of damage, which would triple kill the person. And the bike has a 30% chance to explode. <laughs> Okay. So that that might make you go like, oh, it's a cartoon. I got it. <laughs> or better off dead. I can see that happening. Very, very much. <laughs> that was something that does anybody did anybody understand the damage type? I couldn't figure out why there's a damage type A and B. I presume A is like something less fatal than B. Well, I didn't understand the fact that they specified armor as covering damage A and B, and all the armor cover damage A and B. So why divide it into A and B? The armor covers... Well, they said that car or collision damage is B, type B. And I went and looked and looked and looked. And all I can figure out is that asphyxiation and suffocation are A. At the beginning of combat, they talk about close combat being A and ranged combat being B. So I wonder if they were considering collision as like you're firing an arrow. Yeah, you're firing an arrow. And when it impacts, that's the the arrow being the car in this case. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the bicycle. <laughs> the the exploding bicycle. The exploding bicycle. The exploding bicycle. That's 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 a big I'd win in this game. I'd love to have an exploding bicycle. <laughs> okay, Liz, four. Four. Okie dokie. The game insists that this is a realistic portrayal of the high school experience. <clears throat> And um, I've got to say, this is unlike any kind of high school I've ever been to. And I transferred to a second one during my junior year. So I've been to two different high schools, and neither one of them had all of this going on in them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some, sure. But this game takes the normal high school experience, cranks it up to 11, and then tries to tell you that it is focused on realism. And at one point, it even goes out and says, some situations may seem far-fetched, but they do occur. Really? All of these situations occur. Oh, they do. No, really. No, they do not. (laughs) It's like a Roger Corman on LSD version of high school. (laughs) Or the guy with LSD, which is also in the rules. Yes, Yes, very true. As are explosives. That's right. Which are very disturbing to think about in schools now. But yeah, I know what you mean, Liz. It's almost like the guy who wrote the screenplay for the Death Wish movies did a high school movie. I I can't help but I get the impression he probably had several people tell him that the game was ridiculous and he's doubling down on it. And is insisting. It's like, no, this is realism. It's real. It's all real. (laughs) It's not real, dude. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I guess if your high school was next door to Fort Apache, the Bronx, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of an escape from New York kind of situation. I don't know. <laughs> there was actually a movie whose name escapes me from the late 70s where this kid transferred to school, to this school, and he got brutalized by the the end crew. And he took his revenge by killing each one of them with explosives and poisons and all sorts of things. At the end of the movie, it's like all the nerds and, and people who are getting oppressed by the end crowd start becoming the new end crowd and oppressing people. So he has to start trying to kill them. I, I cannot think of the movie's name. I watched it on HBO in the 80s, but it's like, that's the only thing I could think of that would equate to this. That, that wasn't Heather's, was it? <laughs> no, it was pre-Heather's. It was okay. late 70s. It, it wasn't as cute as Heather's, but it kind of had vaguely the same idea. But yeah, I checked. Heather's was 88. So this was well before then. It's funny that you went to Heather's, Liz, because I was sitting here thinking Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie was listed as one of the influences on this game, by the by. Anyway, my number four. Not enough tables. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped counting at 100. 
Oh, I thought you meant in the cafeteria for all the <laughs> gang war. No, the tables. 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 Sub-tables. There's 97 tables, and that doesn't even count 94A, 94B. Just massive amounts of tables. It's as if you're suggesting the combat system might be a bit cumbersome, Mike. Just a <laughs> bit. I, I really, I, the thing that thought, that made me think of when I got through the combat system was Advanced Squad Leader. A system hmm. that on its face is simple. But there's so many charts and modifiers that it makes it a nightmare and nobody cares anymore. <laughs> Can I just be dead? I'd rather be dead than roll on another table, okay? I'd rather roll up another character. <laughs> I was only playing a loser anyway. Screw him. Exactly. I, I suicide that character. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, you're four. Uh, my number four, I'm going to jump on the art. I, I gave Liz I gave Liz four and five to jump on the art. I'm going to go ahead and jump on it. My problem with this art is not the uh, subject matter depicted. And I want to go out and make sure I'm clear that uh, I'm not a prude. And I'm all about the First Amendment, so I would defend this game's right to be published on a free press in America any day, anywhere. But you do not go out and recruit Errol Otis to do the illustrations for an RPG based on a high school. That's like going and getting Steve Ditko to draw a whole free big boy comic you're going to give away at Bob's Big Boy, which actually... <laughs> Which actually did happen in real life once. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll send you the link after we get off the air. That... Uh, <laughs> and that, I chose that com intentionally because Errol Otis is like a, the Steve Ditko of the old school art look and feel. You know, it's mm -hmm. very esoteric. It's very fantasy based and insane. And and then you say, OK, I need you to draw Errol some football players in high school on a football field with cheerleaders in the background. What is Errol going to do with that? His best, but it's just... It's look and then, weird. And I do not blame Errol for the, the content. Yeah, that's what he was asked to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you, if you take the gig, you've got, to, you've, got, you've got to show a high schooler sticking a, a switchblade into the neck of a teacher or some um, extremely R, maybe a little uh, whatever the next one is up. Single before X. NC-17? No, yeah, an NCT making out session. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jeff D's for. Go get Jeff D to do that stuff. Don't give it to Errol. I mean, I do think that for a lot of the pieces that Errol did, he was phoning it in, to put it bluntly. It's like, I don't think he was giving it his all. I, I think he tried to make some of the pieces a little more visually interesting if you look at the details. I'd love to ask him, but I know him from conventions, and I've gamed with him, and I'm never, ever going to bring this game up to him because I want it to stay that way. I want to stay friends with him. Yeah, I want to stay friends with Errol. Yeah, I, I don't want to know. Because he's a cool cat, but holy crap, this art. Yeah. I don't know. I love the uh, the kid eating at the lunch counter or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. The, it's, like, it's a really good piece, actually. It's kind of, it's not horribly offensive. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, actually kind of an interesting piece, I thought. Yeah, that's thought. one of the ones I was thinking of when I said he tried to make some of them in visually interesting, if you look at the details. Mm -hmm. because you know just glancing at it it's a dude eating some slop out of a lunch tray and you look more closely and you see like inside the various little separate containers of the tray you've got like little tiny people screaming <laughs> and the fork or spoon that he's lifting up to his mouth it looks like some sort of gelatinous creature with a couple of eyes that he's about <laughs> to eat yeah you know, it's like i think in he tried that's Errol Otis. Yeah, I think he tried to make it. It's like, I'm going to do something cool with this that you have to really look to, to notice. But I just kind of get the impression that for the most part, he was probably bored to tears taking on this art commission. So I forget what number we're on, but that was mine. Three. Or three we're doing Orbit. three. Yeah. Oh, it, right. Three. Orbit's three. You know what I really liked? Mm. The tables. <laughs> <laughs> So many to choose from. There was a couple. There was a couple really fun ones that I enjoyed, like the birthday generator. I will never use that in the game. I don't know why it was there. Yeah, but, well, that... it was neat. It was like that's kind of clever, but this is useless. Seems like there was another one that was like, oh, that's kind of funny, like random stuff in your pocket table, and th there is an insane amount of tables, but there's some kind of fun ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a shotgun spread. If you put a thousand tables in, yeah, a couple You're are going to have good. a few that are useful. Yeah, there was a, there's a weather table. 
Yeah, weird, right? Maybe a nifty table, but why is it here? <laughs> what? So your the... loser can know if he's walking home in the rain after being ditched by everybody. <laughs> or the football game gets rained out? What? I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, the, the list of stuff that might be in your teacher's pockets. Yeah, after what? you mug them, well, I, yeah, presumably. Well, I, I guess. <laughs> um, which, again, that feeling of the late 70s, you know, when every RPG and quite a few war games had gobs of tables. Maybe that was their reasoning for put so many. But there were a few that were actually like, huh, that's bizarre. Interesting. Sure. Possibly useful in another game. Anim- animal reaction tables? Y- you need that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I guess uh what Liz, what did you think of the tables? <laughs> <laughs> there, there there were there were tables. Yes. There were. There were tables. So what's your three? Anyway. Yeah, My that, three? That was... Well it's not tables. Not tables. Oh. Okay. Everybody should pick tables at least once. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about tables. I'll talk about tables at the end. Uh, <laughs> okay, my number three. I'm I'm gonna say something that I actually liked about this game. Oh my. I liked how they handle skills in the game. Oh. You know, the skills are there to give the characters that have them an advantage, but anyone can use any skill at any time, whether they actually have it or not. If they don't have the skill, they can still do the thing, but at skill level zero. So I liked that. I may not have the skill music, but... I can try to make music. I can, I could possibly even succeed. You know what this game needs? Bimbo points. It would make it funnier. Yeah. But anyway, my three. The problems chart, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I've played other games where you roll your, you know, you could potentially roll like a bad mutations in Gamma World or, you know, in V&V, that sort of thing. What I have a problem with is... The number of quote-unquote problems chances you have to roll is based on your appearance. The ugly you are, the more problems you have. Because Just like real life, right, Mike? Right, <laughs> because attractive people never have problems. Well, yeah, but ever. everybody rolls on it, don't they? Yes, but the number of rolls you have is based on your appearance. And say as a loser, by definition, you are going to have lower than five. So you're going to have more chances to have problems than attractive people. Oh, Mike, you're brilliant. You know what? This game needs a sequel. We should write the sequel, and we'll call it, uh, instead of Alma Mater, we'll call it 30th High School Reunion. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's all turned around now. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And in the game, you can have like certain sections where you're like remembering high school, and then you <laughs> shunt back to, to reality. Yeah, that could work. Where the, where the science guy is, you know, Zuckerberg'd up with millions, and, and you want to go get him now, but the, <laughs> but, but the sheriff of the whole town is now the head loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the former BMOC or something is, like, working at a gas station or something, you know. <laughs> awesome. Okay, your three, Jim. Oh, my three. This game, the ideas of it, if you Venn diagram them, can just be taken apart and crapped on bubble by bubble because all you have to do is contrast them to other games that did it well because i can i can you know okay just start at the with nothing a blank piece of paper i want to write an rpg about high school well there are okay that's difficult because of the flawed premise thing but it's not impossible there's maybe there's 20 ways to do it wrong and one only one or two good ways to do it right but teenagers from outer space did it right that's a good high school based rpg yeah here here say uh i want to write something that's you know r-rated for adults only with adult themes well lamentations of the flame princess there you go that's a good game um i just want you know completely inappropriate possibly uh, potentially whatever racist homophobic content go play cards against humanity that's a fun way to do it rpgs based on 80s movies themes that are fun to play you know like this is supposed to be based on about you know like caddyshack and meatballs and that era of films ghostbusters did that great and could you do that with this game sure I don't know if you could as written, because my point is, all those checkboxes, they got every single checkbox wrong. They found the, the, the 20 bad ways to do it all. Okay, let me rephrase that. With tinkering, this game could do it. 
But yeah, you're you're probably right. With such a, a simple system, by the time you're done tinkering, you probably have an entirely new game. Well, I have to be honest. I got so honked off in the middle of reading this that I couldn't get to the point of actually examining the combat system. I, my suspicion is there's a cumbersome but competent combat system, and that a lot of these rules, mechanics probably work. But I was so taken out of... I was just so, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I couldn't see past it. Like, and Lamentations of Flame Princess is a great example. Not my cup of tea. Perfectly fine game to play. I can, I, I went to Free RPG Day and got my copy of Vaginas or Magical. The skinning of that, that's a that's the best word I could come up with. Sorry, there's a lot of skinning of that that I would never personally run. But I read that and went, oh, wow, I see what he did to the spell and the magic system in that game. That's good. I could use that. I couldn't get to that point with this game. The combat system isn't awful. It's cumbersome. But one wonders why you need such a granular combat system in a game about high school. Because apparently you're supposed to go to that uh, cheerleader's party and start a rumble. Uh, yes. And rob the place and and, and get coked up in their parents' bedroom. (laughs) And hit on her older sister in the bunny, in the Playboy bunny outfit. And yeah. Wow. Yeah, we may just have a special category just for that intro adventure in the back, you know, just to discuss that. But okay. Uh, Corbett, two. Sorry, I'm just trying to pick one. You know, okay. This is one I thought about. This is an encounter table when you're wandering the halls and trying to sneak out of class or whatever they put in. And I thought it was peculiar because the encounter table is really long. The encounter table has a lot of like, oh, you run to the student, you run to this teacher, you run to this person. There is no school janitor written into this encounter table. And I know this is petty, but it's funny. They have, they have school worker, which you could say is a janitor, but it could also mean like the secretary at the front office or anything. And it's only 2%. And I swear, walking down my high school, anytime I was out in the hall, I'd run into somebody mopping. Just constantly. I think this is one of those things where the Canadianness shows through. Because one of the teachers, under one of the NPC teachers, under their description says, lets the students make a mess because he gets overtime staying to clean it up. Oh. And I'm just guessing, but I'm wondering if in... At least at this time in Canada, teachers did double duty as as okay. custodial. But it's like that in that adventure, you know, one of the parts of the house is the furnace room. And I'm like, what the hell is the furnace room? But apparently that's a Canadian thing. Each house had to have a furnace in it with like X amount of room totally around the furnace. So basically it was a utility room, but it had to be stuck in the middle of the room and all these other currently Canadian zoning requirements. It was bizarre. But Plus, yeah. Corbett is an Anglophile, so he wants there to be a caretaker who's got his TARDIS stored down in the shed. Well, <laughs> maybe. maybe. Well, totally. It's the janitors, the weird it janitors would make always the game more interesting. <laughs> Except the doctor would be out of there in a flash once he saw this school. Oh, if I was in this high school, I'd be like, run. I wouldn't ask the doctor. I'd just run in the TARDIS. Run, yeah. don't walk. <laughs> run in, hide. And don't come out until he's left that time and until space. Until there are Daleks. <laughs> don't don't leave until there are Daleks. Daleks fine. At least it's not the knife fight in the boys' restroom. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, Liz, you're number two. Okie dokie. Talking about some of the NPCs in the Central High, the high school located somewhere in America. <laughs> Because they're all the same from coast to coast in America. Sure, sure. So they've got, as you might imagine, more tables. Tables of the electives that you can take, depending on what year you're in. Tables of the various classroom offenses. I don't know why that had to be made into a table, but Because everything's a table. It was was pretty funny that, what was it, carrying a gun was a minor offense or something? Or I forget what it was. One of them was like, what? Because every kid does that. Sure, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we, we've also got a table of the various ninth grade teachers that you could run into in Central High. Little descriptions of each of them. The NPC science teacher, who likes to play fantasy role-playing games, is looked down on by the rest of the faculty. Because apparently that's just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's disgusting to them. I'm just guessing, but that is the author. And he's also a very bad teacher on top of that. That was interesting. 
I, I must say my favorite, though, was the NPC math teacher who rules with an iron fish. Yeah, if the author was a teacher, it certainly wasn't English, because this thing is full of typos. Yeah, and he also also has acrophobia, which is mistakenly given, you know, as being the fear of spiders. It's like... <laughs> They they meant arachnophobia, but they said acrophobia and Yeah. The way they spelled it, that's a fear of flying spiders, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we or, all have a fear of that. Yeah. Or asexual. It was referred to people who forego F O R E dash go. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the so, teachers are, are almost as messed up as the students, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, the music teacher, like I said earlier, you know, the the humanities teachers, they're, they're on drugs. Yeah, it's like, really? <laughs> but remember, it's completely realistic. Oh, and more t- 70s, certainly not today. What about that dirty teacher who always has dirty jokes and puns and innuendos? Mm-hmm. Mr. Fetish. Yes. Imagine that. And students in his class will do well if they do what he asks them. Yeah. I'm going to need you to stay after school today. Yeah. That's the game I want to role play. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. My number two. And boy, it's number two. Okay. First, this game can have a winner. Let Let me clarify. If you get the maximum points, you get points by using your skills and doing things depending on your class or your skill set. And you add up your points and you spend all four years because you start in ninth grade till graduation. And then after four years, you add your points up and whoever had the most wins the game. So again, just like real life, just <laughs> like after, after high school graduation, you won your yeah. permanent record matters vitally to the rest of your life. It's from high school. That's not even the worst part. The worst part is this thing has day planners where you're supposed to plan out every semester with your classes. Then you roll per period to see if you have an encounter, which then you roll on that encounter table. Uh, Corbett mentioned earlier, it just day after day, and you're supposed to write this stuff down and keep track of it. I mean, I used to think Traveler was paperwork intensive. Oh, no, it was positively timeship level compared to this. (laughs) And it's such minutia of unimportant stuff. Like you run into a student. Does that mean it's something important? No, it just ran into a student. They have a penknife and string in their pocket and they're average. The end. Next encounter. Yeah. Why did you roll that? What was the point? Yeah, but then you have to roll to see what their reaction to you is. They and maybe say, they don't like you. They say what up? <laughs> you know, I, why are I rolling this? Can you just say you have one important encounter a day and just go with that? No, apparently not, because realism, which again in the mid to late seventies involved lots of tables and rolling. <sighs> Simulation versus enjoyment on the Blacal model. Yeah, yeah, that's. It's Sims. It's Sims High School, except you have to actually do everything manually. I'm beginning to think you guys don't like this game. Hmm. You could be right. (laughs) All right, Jim, number two. For my number two, I'm back to the art, and I'm not picking on poor Errol, who I'm sure regrets his involvement in this entire enterprise anyway. It's hard to talk about in 2020 because the, the, the cultural zeitgeist now is everybody's offended by everything. My opinion on stable bound versus perfect bound has offended you. I'm sorry. But this game was banned from Gen Con 1982 for a reason, and it's that art. And and on First Amendment free press rights, they have every right to do it and publish it. But they just were not thinking pulling this in the middle of the satanic panic and RPGs are being looked at harshly by the press. Any way to come out with this is just a big double dwarven salute to the game industry. So that got me thinking, okay, well, what offends me the most art piece by art piece. And so I just took a self survey and decided it wasn't the gross makeout session. It wasn't the interracial 
uh, knife fight in the boys' restroom. There, there wasn't how every woman not only didn't wear a bra, but apparently was just stepped out of a freezer. It was unit. really, really cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it is Canada. <laughs> the thing that, that that caught my goat the worst out of all the art was one of uh, Owen Alton. I'm going to go with. <laughs> right on the page where they start talking about encounters has got a drawing of a high school kid with a automatic weapon discharging it beside his house, which is scaring a cat off a trash can. And in his imagination in the thought balloon, he thinks he's uh, Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. I was in high school in the 70s, and I can assure you that that was inappropriate and not cool even way back then. Mine's less today. Can you imagine if this game came out today? Yeah. Which, again, makes me wonder if, you know, was this just a genuine screw-up, or was this exploitation, you know, just kind of jumping on it? Kind of like the whole book of erotic fantasy for 3E back in the aughts? I'll talk about that very topic in my number one. Oh, sorry. I will. I will be quiet then. It's a a teaser. I didn't mean for you to be quiet. I just meant... (laughs) Well, not... The idea of... The idea of exploitation in the name of art versus doing something for ironic ironic content you Mm -hmm. know corbett number one the grade system threw me off in the oh it's in the back the examinations or quizzes or something was it one of the tables no well i guess it is a table though it's really more like a list the one about the the letter grades yeah the letter grades they go from a to f much like American grades, but I'm guessing this is a Canadian thing because they have A, B, C, D, E, F, and F minus. So you go from, I think F minus is 30? like a 29 to 30. Yeah, 20. somewhere in there. And then like you can get an E. What the heck is an E? <laughs> That's when you look at your at at how badly you blew your paper and go E. <laughs> <laughs> e is short for egad. <laughs> I remember the first few were pretty much like you'd expect. A, B, C were right. like the normal ones. But then there's a whole... I've, well, I'm familiar with Ds. I've never heard of an E or an F or an F minus. Yeah. I think that's just a mean F. Yeah, minus <laughs> is just... Yeah, that's just... I could totally believe the teachers in this game giving F minuses, though. Yeah, I suppose. M- the minus is just there to tell you extra credit is not going to help. <laughs> you are doomed. Don't even bother. But that was it. There's just a very odd uh, letter numbering system. And they actually have a nice little follow up to like figure out what your grade would be. But it sounds like your grades would always be the exact same no matter what you did. Yeah. Okay, Liz. I'm going to be banging on the realism thing again one last time. It's like near the end of the book, in their advice for novice GMs, you get the usual kind of thing about if a rule doesn't work, you know, just throw it out, change it. The standard boilerplate. Yeah. But the way they phrase it, it's like, it is better to have fun rather than be completely realistic. (laughs) Again, implying that the rules as written create a completely realistic high school experience. So if you deviate from them, you're making up some sort of unrealistic kind of high school life. But have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, Dude, <laughs> and to be fair, you know there is a section, a, a line in there where they say, you know, if you just say something happens and blah blah blah, it will be like real high school and dull. You need to put life into it. I'm like, well, okay, but with every, can you imagine being the schoolmaster because it's what the the, <laughs> the GM is called and have to basically come up with an original character for every single encounter in every single period of a given school day for the for 3 to 4 players I'd shoot myself in the head I mean ugh. with your AK47 that you already practiced with out beside the outside house. of the house while in a completely Sergeant Rock. realistic kind of way totally actually you could just take two hits of cocaine and that would kill you if you go or, by the rules. Or ride a totally bicycle realistic. and have it explode. <laughs> take two, or take some cocaine and then ram my bicycle into a tree at 35 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Very realistic, I think. <laughs> my number one. Like most RPGs, there's an introductory adventure in the back. It's Stars Party. Now, this, this thing gives you a group of X number of students and Y number of teachers as to, at Central High School to get you started with various NPCs you can run into. The party at a cheerleader's rich p- person's house where her parents are gone 
again, seems to me to epitomize the schizophrenic nature of this game. Because you've got G.I. Jim hiding in a tree with his AK-47 watching for Viet Cong, which is very kind of animal house. You've got drugs, you've got drinking, you've got goofy behavior going on. You've got Star's older sister coming home from work in her Playboy Bunny outfit. Come on, say the name. What's her name? I Bunny. 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 That's right. Yeah, Twinkle's her younger sister. Because Star, Twinkle, and Bunny. Yeah. Yay. Anyway, and then you have the Greaser gang that shows up, the Rattlesnakes, who try to get initiatives or to haze people to join the gang by beating up a 14-year-old girl, one of the losers named Puddles. And then later, they get drunk and drag either the prettiest female PC or this NPC named Foxy into the furnace room for some fun. What? Like, when did we stop being John Hughes and start being, you know... That's just like high school. Yeah, yeah. You went to Chapel Hill, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) Mean, mean streets of Chapel Hill, Texas. Completely realistic. But even beyond realistic or unrealistic, it's like it's two entirely different themes for high school. I like three, actually. Well, three, yeah. Yeah, you could argue three. So which is it? You know, I mean, if you're going to do a high school game, do one or do the other. You, you can't. Uh, okay, that's my one, Jim. I'm, I'm, I'm going to backdraft you because my I saved for one Star's Party 2. And my issues with it are just uh, the, reading that is where you you could start defending this game is, OK, this is a uh, an exploitation movie game. Right. Except it's still not. To compare and contrast, think of the Quentin Tarantino movie, The Hateful Eight. You may or may not like it. I love the movie. And the entire premise of the movie is here's a cast of characters. Every single one of them is some kind of rat bastard to everybody around them through the whole movie. There's no heroic protagonists. There's no redemption arcs. Well, maybe. But that's Quentin Tarantino sitting down and doing an exploitation movie. Or even from the, closer to this time in the early 70s, the black exploitation movies. Like, I love me some Shaft or Blackula. I watch those movies all day long. Are they racist? Are they exploitive? Hell yes, they are. Way bad from being in the 70s. But why are they still good art? Well, they're good art because they're interesting and they're fun to watch. And they have some redeeming qualities. Star's Party and this game have none of that. You can't say Star's Party was like a Quentin Tarantino movie. You can't say it was like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I mean, in the middle of all that, Phoebe Cates is never going to take her top off because there's too much combat-oriented action going on. It's a blurry line, what raises something to the to the point of art that therefore makes it worthy. But And everybody has a different place where that line is for them. But this is so far over that line. I just... I would I would love to find somebody that would try somebody. In, never mind. I, I don't want to talk to somebody who will try and defend this game. <laughs> it's indefensible. And, and again, you know, I think if it had just chosen a direction, it might not be a better game, but it would be a more coherent game. Well, I can, you know, I'll, I'll wrap myself out some more from real life. By the time my brother and I had both gone to high school, that left our kid sister, who doesn't listen to this podcast, thankfully, as the as the sole occupant of the house with my mother. Our father passed when I was was younger. My mom had started dating again and was gone a weekend. And my sister and her, was a senior in high school. Her best friend was a sophomore. And they decided the thing to do was to have a high school party and Xerox the invitations, which immediately got re-Xeroxed. And it was one of those situations where it went out to everybody. So in Lexington, I get the call, you need to go home now. So I get my biggest, tallest, Corbett-esque buddy, and we go to break up this party before there's big trouble. And it was all kinds of like, this was in 81. So right when this game's going, there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's kids down in parts of the house doing things they shouldn't do. People in my mom's bedroom shouldn't be there. All kinds of shenanigans. The Frankfurt, Kentucky cops start showing up every hour on the hour because it takes a while to break that party up. I can assure you, there was not any fun in any of that. There was nothing enjoyable about that. 
you know that that that's the worst Frankfort, Kentucky had to throw at, a, at one of these parties. And what you're talking about, this is this is all just a, three different kinds of combat scenario where you're supposed to get in there and start having combat. We were trying to avoid that very hard in real life. Okay. Well, that's our top five then. Let's see what makes the save and what takes half. What makes the save and what is going to take half? And we will start with Corbett. You just like going me first. <laughs> I thought I'd shake it up a bit this time around. Okay, what doesn't make the save? I'm probably going to go with Liz's It's Not Realistic. <laughs> I got a little bit of a flashback myself because I was reminded of when I wrote my first superhero game when I was probably 13 or 14 and had it typed out and was saved on a computer disc. And my dad got in and looked at it and started making fun of me because I centralized it around like, oh, if you're a superhero, you're 25 to 35. Anybody after that's just too old to do anything. <laughs> and I don't know if you realize this, but my dad was not 25 to 35 <laughs> and found it laughably unrealistic. And that, that's kind of the same feeling I got from this. Like, that's not right. <laughs> like everything was just about, I mean, if it wasn't like absolutely offensive, it was something that's like, that's not even real. I know what you mean though, Corbett, that uh, when we were teenagers and playing Traveler and you started taking major you know, attribute hits at 55, we're thinking, oh yeah, that's really old. So obviously you would start falling apart at that age. And now that I'm 51, it's like, that's not old at all. I don't see where that, that's a very unrealistic. And yet I am personally falling apart at this age, so. Yep. <laughs> you make it look good, if so. I lean forward to get coffee and throw my back out for the day. It's like, <laughs> it's like I buy it. But yeah, it doesn't make the save. It's it's unrealistic in a lot of ways. And well, there's many other things it could say. It doesn't make the save. I think the harder thing is to what makes the save. What makes the save is it has a certain amount of nostalgia for me because it reminds me a lot of games that did a well, a better job. Teenagers <laughs> from Outer Space. It, it pulls me back to Teenagers from Outer Space. I ran that a lot. The So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. Even the, uh, what was the wrestling game? King of the Ring or something? I forget what it's called. Uh, but I ran those. They had these crazy tables and a lot of funny ideas. But I will say, in, in Mike's defense, uh, they were focused. They were focused on like, okay, it's a manga high school game. So you're playing manga high school stuff. Yeah. This this does kind of kind of does that sort of shotgun hit of it's probably going to hit some of the marks so just hit all of them i wonder if it was like D D. when D D came out it was not any specific it was there to cover any kind of fantasy genre traveler was supposed to try to cover every sci-fi genre do you think maybe they were trying to do that with this well maybe and just I don't did know. it I kinda... really horribly I could also see the exploitation thing because they were really oh, going out. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about a thought that requires three synapses to fire in proper order. That didn't happen here. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, Liz. What makes the save? I will say in this game's mechanics defense, it has more of an internal consistency than D&D had at the time. For the way this game works... Low numbers are always good. High numbers are always bad when you are rolling for successes for any activity. So you don't have all of that. Well, here you want to roll high, but if you're doing this, you need to roll low. To be fair, this doesn't necessarily apply to the tables in the book. On those tables, sometimes low numbers will give you a good result and sometimes they won't. But when you are trying to do something and you are utilizing a skill... Or an attribute, essentially. Right. You will always try to roll against an attribute and you need to always roll lower than what your attribute is in order to succeed. And regardless, a one, no matter what you're doing, even if you don't have a skill in it, if you roll a one, it is always considered a success. And if you roll a 10, it is always considered a failure. So kind of the opposite of doing combat on a D20, where a nat 20 is always a success and a one is always a fumble, you know, just kind of reverse that with the D10s. On a side note, my nostalgia got a nice... Uh attention when they describe the D10s, because the D10s they're describing are all D20s. Yeah, with the one through 10. Yeah, just zero, twice. Zero to, zero to nine twice. Yeah. I have right mm -hmm. in my hand. Yeah, that, that was kind of fun. Yeah, so that made the save for me. Taking half, 
you know, as you know, you guys have mentioned before, the game spends so much time focusing on the pages and pages of tables for what is frankly minutia. And there's virtually no time spent on the actual role-playing aspect of things. There's a table for how much sleep your character needs per night, depending on what their con is. There is a table, it's a subtable of the weather table. It is a table solely on wind conditions outside. There's so much on this granular crap. Wait allowance. And rolling on tables that even if you did manage to get into some kind of teenage sexual encounter in the game, it would probably be dull and boring in game execution. And what would be the point? There is a table that says whether or not your wallet has a condom in it. I saw that table. Yeah. It's like, really? (laughs) It's like you've managed to take the entire thing as cruel and repellent as I personally found it, but the way you would just get into it with the mechanics of it, the whole thing would just be boring and repetitive, you know, rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. And it's almost like you could play it solitaire if you wanted to. I you would almost have to. I can't imagine finding three to five other people who would be interested in playing the game. (laughs) Okay. Well, mine. Save. Has a glossary. (laughs) You can find things. (laughs) That's pretty good. It's got got the D20 version of a D10 still, and it had a glossary. I like those things. You've changed my mind about the game, Mike. (laughs) Glad I could help. Which, by the way, everyone, my choice. This was my my choice. Those held responsible. It's a different concept. And if it had been done differently, it might have even been a fun concept. I I don't know that I'd want to play a campaign, but a game based on kind of a John Hughes movie, you know, the 16 Candles or Ferris Bueller's Day Off might be fun, especially with the weird surrealness that could happen. A for effort. Actually, no. E for effort. I'll give an E. <laughs> e for effort. F, F minus. For minus. <laughs> Doesn't make the save, which gets into the same thing. The game cannot make up its frickin' mind. And unlike fantasy literature or science fiction, high school hijinks is too narrow a focus that you can afford to, to just shotgun it like this. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget that all the activities at Star's Party are being done by ninth graders, oh. which is also oh. very disturbing. So anyway, yeah. See, I think if I had gotten this at in 1982, I would have probably been thinking, oh, yeah, I like Scooby-Doo and Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, let's play wow. that. <laughs> oh, wow. And then you open <laughs> Oh, my God. And, and then, and then the, your player characters just start vomiting blood and setting things on fire. <laughs> I was not prepared. Shooting <laughs> the cheerleaders party and yeah, yeah. Jim, take us home. Oh, happy to. What makes the save is Time Ship is no longer the single worst <laughs> RPG we've ever reviewed on this show. Yay! What doesn't make the save is the king is dead. Long live the king. It's this- <laughs> and uh, just a person, you know, it's fun to get all cranked up and h- hating on a game once in a while, but I really like talking about stuff I enjoy and get enthusiastic and wound up about that. So since you picked both these games, can you pick something nicer next time? It's your turn. I'll try. Just, I will say your buddy, though, Jim. Th- that I have had f- feedback that were, were most enjoyable while covering games we hate. But Oh, I will bow to the ratings. <laughs> uh, you know. Not saying... Yeah, I figure... I'll, next time, I'll, I'll choose a good game, or at least a decent. You game. say that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get where Jim is coming from, though. I, I, I love that people perhaps really enjoy us getting all frothy about a game, <laughs> but these kinds of episodes are hard to prepare for, and I don't enjoy reading the bad games. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> And once this starts becoming a chore for us, 
I think we're not going to be as fun to listen to if we keep doing this on a regular basis. All right, all right. I promised. If you want, I could pick a bad game. I love you. No. I've got a few. (laughs) I've been avoiding them because they were bad. (laughs) That's why you're my friend. (laughs) All right. Well, this game, as we even Messi did not like this game. Yes. Even Messi hated this game. That's right. <laughs> and her vote is the most important, so. All right, well, this has been Alma Mater by Oracle Games. Go find a copy if you dare. They're really pricey, but who knows? You might find a deal on eBay. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night. <laughs> See ya. Later. <laughs> Briark, table 917B. <laughs> and we're out. Podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. Like a 68 Impala